On March 10, 1743, 17-year-old Robert Clive stood on a London dock with all his worldly possessions packed into a few small suitcases, ready to seek his fortune in India. The teenager was about to board the Winchester, which at 500 tons was one of the biggest and most advanced ships of the day. A combined merchant vessel and warship, the Winchester reflected the dual nature of its owner, the East India Company, the most important trading arm of the expanding British Empire, and one that had its own defense force. The ship was supposed to reach India in six months, but it did not arrive for well over a year. The voyage took its first unfortunate turn when it ran aground on a hidden reef off the coast of Brazil, where it had sailed to catch winds that would propel it eastward. To lighten the load, the captain jettisoned cargo starting with the luggage of lower-ranking officials, like Clive. Soon after, a violent storm rocked the ship, tossing Clive himself into the sea. The captain grabbed a bucket, tied a rope to it, and threw this improvised lifeline to Clive. The teenager managed to scramble back on board, but lost many of his sparse belongings, including his hat, wig, shoes, and belt buckle. After further delays, the ship finally docked in Madras on the east coast of India on June 1, 1744. Clive disembarked with little left but the clothes on his back, and had to borrow money from the captain at an exorbitant interest rate in order to replenish his wardrobe. Accounts of Madras during this period suggest what Clive would have seen as the Winchester came into the harbor at twilight. Warm air drifted off the land, carrying the whiff of spices and burnt dung, as the new arrivals rode toward the twinkling lights of the tiny colonial settlement on boats built from coconut fiber. They likely were carried by Indian boatmen the last few yards to terra firma, where British visitors were instantly struck by the dramatic juxtapositions of Hindu peasants in filthy loincloths and Muslim traders in long silk robes, both carrying bundles on their heads, of wild dogs rummaging in garbage pits near food stalls covered in flies, not far from the broad thoroughfares and white palatial residences where the richest British traders lived, protected by uniformed guards. Located in the southeastern coastal province of the Carnatic, home to all of the most important European trading centers in India, Madras was the centerpiece in a far-flung string of British enclaves that included footholds in Calcutta and Bombay. At the center of the settlement in Madras was Fort St. George, which included a small compound with a mansion for the governor, barracks for soldiers, and warehouses and residences for the company. Only Europeans were allowed to live in the compound, although a number of wealthy Western merchants also lived in estates outside. Clive's home would be two Spartan rooms in the company hostel within the fort. Coming of Age Inside the Company The East India Company had four classes of employees, senior merchants, junior merchants, factors, or traders, and the lowly clerks who were called writers. Clive belonged to the latter rung. Typically, a young writer would need about five years to be promoted to factor, another three to become a junior merchant, and another three to senior merchant. Clive immediately fell into a numbing work routine. Day after day, he stood behind a high desk with about twenty other clerks tracking bills, receipts, and inventory levels, marking ledgers, and accounting for East India Company trade in products such as 
indigo, saltpeter, and cotton. Every morning the writers were awakened by the firing of a gun, then attended church before breakfast. Business was conducted until noon, followed by lunch, a nap, and a return to work at 4 p.m. Clive spent a number of evenings in the library located in the governor's mansion. Though never a serious student, he delved into a wide range of authors, Bacon, Descartes, Confucius, Erasmus, Hobbes, Machiavelli, Shakespeare, and others. It seems to have been the only period of his life when Clive showed any intellectual curiosity and lasted about a year. Clive was born into a lower-middle-class family and experienced few real joys as a child. His father, a lawyer and businessman, sent Clive at the age of three.